0: Welcome to the King Hero Indie Car Podcast with Kirby and Justin, season finale recap. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. Kirby, can we uh, agree to speak at a, not a rapid rate, but just a normal rate, a convers- uh, conversational rate, so that uh, when we play us at 1.8, we sound you know like we're sped up? Instead of just sounding normal, I was just listening to somebody else, and uh, 1.8 is not fast enough.
1: <laughs> it's amazing how 1.5 just does not feel sped up at all <laughs> when I listen to. It. You know, you often uh, suggest that uh, IndyCar constituents are listening to us and and responding in their performances and their activities. Yes. I suggest that uh, Simon Pagino has been listening to you. Well, I think he uh, he seemed particularly motivated this past weekend to qualify in the fast six and run in the top five all day long.
0: Did you uh, did you see or did you feel looking at it as I did that Ed Jones uh, performed an extremely selfless act to take the uh, race con- uh, their championship contender out in the first lap and thus absolve both Sully and or Vassar of any guilt feelings about letting him go at the end of the season. (laughs) Thing to do, put a little bow on it for him so they don't have to feel bad at all about letting him go.
1: The act was to uh, absolve uh, Sully and Vassar of any guilt, but deprive the rest of the IndyCar world of any suspense at all.
0: Let's face it, what better way to do it than the way he did it? I'm not so sure Alvar Askew didn't do the same thing. He just made the Ray Hall decision much easier as well.
1: Yeah, that was a little further down my list of uh, topics, but I don't think he did enough these last three races to uh, seal the deal.
0: It's and just I'm- considerate, Curb, if you think about it. I mean, think about people you've employed in the past, you know, and their first day they do something abhorrent or terrible, and y- you know right away that you've got the wrong person. And
1: just, just makes it easy to fire, them.
0: It's just, it's so wonderful. It's a gift. I could, you know, you couldn't have done that, and maybe you would have, like, stayed in my employment for a year and done a terrible job, but here you just kind of made it easy for us. And I think both these guys have done that for their prospective employers.
1: He just, did, you know, he had a nice uh, day at Portland, although even at Portland, you know, he, he finished three or four spots behind his, uh qualifying spot so
0: his pr agent has gone strangely silent
1: yes that's true <laughs> well he's, he's got so many people to promote these days that
0: uh, did you know did you notice that, his PR that agent, yeah maybe he's backing away from that a little, eh, Maybe i need to lay off that a little bit
1: likable guy i hope he still has a future somewhere but uh, i don't think it's going to be at ray hall and if it's not at ray hall i don't think it's going to be an indy car next year i
0: think the guy uh was giving uh giving uh A reasonable shot this year to make his case to be in uh, IndyCar next year. And I'm not saying it was an easy task, but I don't think he did it.
1: No. I'm going to go back to Paj and Helio for a second. Okay. You watched watched the whole race on uh, the replay or whatever? I did. And, uh, you know, by the end of the race, I was more questioning – MSR as a team, and strategy-wise, than I was questioning the drivers performance-wise. I mean, you know, that's not the first time they've thrown some strange strategy calls out there this year, usually for Jack Harvey, this time for Helio Castroneves. a car that qualified third and was running first when you called him into the pits, and yet somehow he finished 20th.
0: They've made a lot of errors on the, uh, on the stand this year. They've made errors, many of them. Okay, and you could say their gamble's gone wrong or whatever, but if your aspiration is to be a top team, then you shouldn't feel compelled to take uh, these risky uh, or strategic decisions. You know, you should just be able to kind of race everybody straight up. And and I, I, they appear to be a team that's capable of doing that. I, I don't know if it's Michael Shank making these calls or somebody else, but if I was that team, that's the first thing I'd be reevaluating in this season. I'd go over all those races and say. What was our thinking, and would we do it again?
1: I think Helio would ask the same question. I mean, you're, you had no reason to go off strategy there in that race. I mean, you might probably wouldn't have beaten Colton Herta, but you're looking at a top five finish at worst for Helio if he just stays on the same pit strategy as everybody else.
0: They've almost got that, um, you know, second rate team mentality where you go and you take risks like that, you know, to try to get to the front, right? Right and and maybe they haven't made that transition to like you're not that team anymore you got you you can put team you can put cars, you know in the front in the front rows and you got to start acting like a team that that does that right and I think it is a mentality shift. Right. Curb, are you tired of seeing that damn dolphin statue?
1: <laughs> you know what I'm been talking two, it's about. Been, it's, it's been two years. How could you be tired of seeing the dolphin?
0: Oh statue? my god! It's like in they go to that shot. At the beginning of every se- a, a section.
1: Well, Justin, I mean, you're you're in Southern California. What is there to look at besides the statue of a dolphin?
0: Well, I don't know. That's it's not that great of a statue either. <laughs> well,
1: wow. they, they drive they drive by it every lap. It's kind of a key feature these days of the yeah, course.
0: I, I guess. I mean, Long Beach isn't exactly the most scenic uh, town on the planet. But if that's all it has to offer, uh, wow. It's like you can just hear the producer in the background. Okay, let's uh, let's do the dolphin fountain. All right. Start there. He's going to do that well a little bit too too often for my taste.
1: That's uh, IndyCar coverage in general. Repeat yourself over and over
0: and over again. And maybe for the casual viewer, it's no big deal, Curb. I mean, but for those of us who like watch the qualifying and you know, maybe even watch some of the practice or something like that on
1: Peacock, it's like, whoa. Based on you know, the ratings, it's only the hardcore that are watching the show. <laughs>
0: um, let's talk about Colton herder for a second. I was I wasn't really gonna talk about him, but I mean these last two performances are pretty outstanding, you'd have to say, wouldn't you, Curb?
1: Uh, yeah. Right now, he'd have to be your betting favorite for next year, wouldn't he, for the championship? Uh, Yeah, I, I can't argue that. I mean,
0: straight-up fight with Rossi, basically, in Long Beach, and he killed him, right? right.
1: His teammate. Right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even close. Pretty strong year overall, a couple of major problems, but... He won st p right uh beginning of the season so they're strong on the street courses he's obviously got laguna Seca wired they they failed to mention that he led 101 laps at gateway and had that race pretty much covered when his drive shaft broke yeah he was definitely the class of the field i think the last six races or so of the season and um so i i right now if i had to put money down he'd be my odds-on favorite for 2022.
0: Yeah, and he was like 16th at Indy, right? Which always kills you in a double points race like that, you know, to, to not have a good place there. It,
1: it doesn't help you. Everybody's got a few off races, but you, if you have it there, it's, obviously that's worth two. You have to say at
0: this and I, I don't think we're getting caught up in the momentum of the moment. He just looks like the man right now, for right. sure.
1: No, no, I agree. Of course, Iowa's back on the schedule, the doubleheader, so that's uh, an easy 100 points for Joseph Newgarden, right? That uh, should be should, good point.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's why it's a double header. Exactly. <laughs> I think we considered that last time. Curb, uh, I think we, you know, if, if we're going to give uh, props to Colton Herda, then we need to give uh, props to our new championship winner, Pelo. I, I was a doubter two-thirds of the season about him, uh, at least. Maybe even longer.
1: And lo and behold, there he is. I think I probably... Uh... Became a believer a little bit earlier than you did. Very impressive season for him. Uh, but he, he should be fighting for championships for as long as he wants to be. It'll be interesting to see if he can match Herta when you know on his game and not uh, dealing with some of those Andretti gremlins he seemed to deal with this year.
0: Like I said, I, I, I give both Ganassi and him credit. I mean, Ganassi for seeing something in him, which, I you know, We both kind of scratched our heads about the selection uh, preseason last year. And I think even when he got ahead early in the season, we were like, well, that's, you know, that's nice, but that's not going to last. He just kept proving us wrong, and the team kept proving us wrong. And uh, I grudgingly give praise on this uh, podcast. And in this case, uh, I'm giving full on praise. The guy absolutely delivered.
1: Very impressed. And uh, as long as we're giving out kudos and praise, I'll. I'll praise Chip Ganassi for admitting that he didn't expect this level of success from below humility is not usually Ganassi's calling card. So uh, nice to see him say, even he was pleasantly surprised by how well below has driven this year. And
0: yeah. And, and, and you know what? He's a likable guy too. I mean, that's the other, you know, you can actually like him lukewarm on like Colton Herta, Right. Right. Um, kind of like Pato a little bit as far as the, some of the new guys coming in, you know, kind of like him, but it's, it's impossible not to like, Palau. I mean, it's just,
1: polite and nice and I yeah, you mean could take him home to, you could take him home to mother you mentioned Hunter Ray earlier I haven't always been his biggest fan but I gotta admit I felt badly for him to see his race go wrong right from the start at the same time I want to give props to to Andretti Autosport I don't always think of them as the classiest group of folks but I, they treated him very well I thought on the way out I don't know if did you see they were all signing the front wing of his car before the race on Sunday I did not who signed it? Uh, everybody that uh, worked on his car, not only the current year but prior year, I think they surprised some people of actually using that wing in the race. So he's you know, racing out there with this wing that's got you know 100 signatures on it, and and unfortunately it got damaged in that shunt at the beginning of the race. So I uh, I think I heard somewhere that since they were out of it, they made a point of bringing him in or you know on on his next pit stop, taking a few extra seconds to. Changed the wing, because so, they were going to give it to him, you know, to t- take home with him as a memento. And uh, since it already got damaged once at the start, they thought, well, we better swap it out so he's he's got a good memento to take home with him. And, well, that's uh, interesting. I didn't know any of that. And then, you know, at the end of the race, after the race is over, they're the whole crew just sitting there in pit lane drinking beers together on TV. So they treated him well, and I was glad to see that for him.
0: Kirk, probably the most interesting thing on the weekend for me was the whole... Elio Rossi pre-race warm-up uh fiasco. The best part of the NBC coverage of that was Paul Tracy saying, "Hey Marty, get down there and interview Elio." <laughs> I mean, Paul Tracy started being the producer of the show. He was like he was like bossing people around telling them what to do. It was great. That was great. And all Tracy wanted to do was hear Elio lose his mind, which Elio delivered. Right dropping f
1: bombs and just you know, saying he was totally pissed off and Helio's reaction seemed a little bit out of proportion with the incident. I don't I don't know if I'm missing something there but um he seemed awfully upset for just a little shot. It, it
0: was it was completely out of proportion. And even the better part and what they didn't show uh if you didn't watch the the pre-race or uh, the warm-up uh coverage, I I, I suggest that you do. And go back and watch the interview with Rossi, which in in many ways was even better than the Elio one because Rossi just – how do I put this? Urinated all over Elio (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and did it in a way with kind of just this smirk on his face. And uh, that was worth watching as well. Me and Townsend Bell agree on this one. Uh, yeah, Elio's out of his mind. He, he, There's no way that that was, like, anybody's fault but his.
1: Right. I can only suspect that uh, Rossi was practicing race conditions, right? You're going to shoot out of those pits and try to hang on to whatever spots you got not let anybody buy. So. Playing amateur psychologist here,
0: Kerb, as we often do on this podcast. Right? Do you think Elio's reaction is in part due to he's no longer on the Penske leash and he can be his real self?
1: You mean like when he uh, attacks IndyCar security personnel after getting a bad call? Well, that that would
0: be an example of him losing it, right?
1: But he was on the Penske leash at the time.
0: But he was on. But so, so what I'm saying is, how much has he bottled up and contained over the years that we didn't see, right? Because he successfully bottled up and contained it. And are we going to see? Is that like flash of you know trying to beat up a guy, a foot and a half taller than him and about 150 pounds more than him? Uh, and this this uh, this flash of anger that occurred uh, last Sunday, are we going to see more of that from Elio now that you know seemingly
1: some of the constraints of being Penske perfect are off of him? I don't think so. I think Dancing with the Stars Helios is you're usually going to see. I think it'll continue to be that way. I think it's just
0: I'm going to disagree with you, Here, Kerb. Okay, I'm going to disagree. I think we're going to see more of this again. Playing Amherst, uh psychologist here, Kerb. Maybe that's what's required. At his age, to keep the fire burning, to stay at the front of the field.
1: Well, I think you're more likely to see uh, so, somebody get uh, what, do you, what do you call it, unbottled um, emotions uh, out of Pagano getting off the Penske team. Than you are by from Helio. I, I'm glad
0: you brought up Pagano because, like both Pagano and Bordet, I mean, you know, when they're not having it well, they're relatively, you know, subdued about it, right? And I mean, I know for me. I play my best hockey, for example, when I want to take somebody's head off. <laughs> I, I just kind of feel like the anger fuels me. And maybe these guys need to tap into that a little bit
1: to stay relevant. Helio might need it outside the 500. Uh, he's a little older. You know, Pagino is like 10 years younger than him and should still be in the prime of his racing ability. And I don't think he should need that. You got to like him at the 500 anyway.
0: It's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, Shank has as much said that you know this is very five hundred oriented.
1: Well, it sounded like uh, sponsors had a lot to do with it too.
0: Well, a couple other uh, things to me, Curb, and then I know you've got a few things that you need to get off your chest. Here's what. Here's what I need to get off my chest. Okay. We saw Laguna two weeks ago, Laguna Senka, with what appeared to me and I have since confirmed, you know, to follow up last podcast, no one was there.
1: Right. I, I've confirmed that too. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then we saw Long Beach a week later in the same state packed. Right. Uh, had great weather and it just seemed to set a, a very suitable back backdrop for the finale.
1: Right. Sure. Yeah.
0: I'll As think. opposed to, <laughs> a race that nobody goes to, right, Right. and has not a lot of – well, I mean, it did have some passing this year, but, I mean, not a lot of drama, I guess is what I – generally has not a lot of drama, whereas Long Beach almost always has some drama.
1: Drama, the, lots of energy, lots of yeah. Uh, excitement, yeah.
0: So the obvious thing to say, and I'm sure we're going to hear this ad nauseum for the next couple weeks,
1: maybe we should
0: be finishing in Long Beach every year. I realize that you know next year that's probably not a possibility because you know everything's set in place. you got the you know council, city council, everything's set but and and now they've signed this you know extension with Laguna, and who knows what's in the verbiage of that maybe they have to make that the season finale, right 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 Although based on that crowd, uh the people who organize Laguna may be begging to be out of the contract in a year or so.
1: Well, you know, when I heard about the when I heard about the crowd um, being meager, um, the explanation was that it may not matter to them because the county of Monterey, I guess, pays or a lot of that sanctioning fee just as a tourist, you know, marketing campaign. Just We want people to spend two or three hours looking at beautiful Laguna Seca and Monterey County on TV and want to come here and travel and so whether there's a crowd there or not may not matter so much to those people apparently. Good for the. If every race
0: but... could be similarly promoted. Um, right. Exactly. Okay, but it still doesn't do IndyCar any good, right? From,
1: from, from a from a, a energy standpoint. The
0: optics right. are horrible. Almost smacks of of cart ownership uh, short sightedness where you know the owners all want to end there because their sponsors like to go play golf at Pebble Beach or whatever with them. Right. Um, but I I think that's short-sighted. I really do. And I think the optics are horrible. And if they can't get that crowd up there, you don't even need to guess whether Long Beach would be a success in that position because you've already done it due to, due to the vagaries of COVID. You've already been able to test it out and it's um, been a great success. So I can't imagine that that hasn't escaped uh, Penske's notice. I, like I said, I, I'm sure he can't do anything about it for next year, but maybe the year after. It just It just seems to make so much sense that I guess because it does make so much sense, the chances of IndyCar doing are next to zero.
1: <laughs> they uh, come up with all sorts of ideas. A couple of years ago, they wanted to end the. Uh, it was suggested that they end the season in Gateway because Gateway puts on a brings good crowds and brings good energy. As you say, now, hey, this would be great if Long Beach was the the end of the season every year where the championship was decided, and it, it worked out very well this weekend, that's for sure. Um, but you know, you talk about a race with data equity, and Long Beach has it. And I always worry about uh, ruining a good thing by trying to make it better.
0: I, I mean, I, I understand the whole data equity argument, uh, but I, it's almost become such a mantra that they're not willing to do anything else, and I think that could be a mistake, too. There's two races that I suspect will be embarrassments next year, and that's going to be Laguna and Texas. I think it does terrible damage. To, to your brand.
1: You know, you got to be hopeful that uh, the vagaries of COVID aren't going to affect, uh, you know, California has got to be the worst, right? Um, as far as COVID goes in terms of hopefully next year, people won't be worried about buying plane tickets and and race tickets um, and worrying that the race will end up being canceled. You know, hopefully they can do better next year. I think the crowd wasn't quite that bad two years ago at Laguna Seca. Was it? I can almost,
0: yeah, guarantee you. No, that crowd I mean, I was there in, like, the, the worst year of kart, right, which is, I think, the last year they raced there. Right. Um, and uh, that crowd was worse, I think.
1: We went a couple times in the mid-'90s, you remember? We were in traffic jams for a long time trying to get in and out of that race. Hours. Uh, quite a, quite a difference is today. Is Jimmy Johnson
0: racing in Texas next year? I
1: know, I know he wants to do Indy, um, but he said doing all the ovals might be tougher not to crack because of the stress it put on the team and extra and sponsorship required and that kind of thing. So Mrs. To, Johnson and for Mrs. Johnson. Well, no, right now it's Tony Cannon, I think, cause he's Tony cannon has been promised that ride, uh, on those oval tracks this year and next year. And now Jimmy Johnson wants to run the 500 and putting a fifth car out for the 500 probably isn't too big a deal for, uh, Ganassi assuming it's paid for, but doing it at Texas and Iowa and gateway and all that might not be, as enticing to them as as making it happen for the five hundred.
0: Well, anyways, uh, let's leave that for uh, podcasts of the future. Curb, I, I I talked to you briefly this morning of my very long day.
1: It's nice of you to still be awake with us.
0: Barely here, barely here at this point. I'm being fueled by anger alone. Um, you commented uh, about the post race festivities and. I think spoke somewhat eloquently to it. So I'd like you to kind of have a go at that. I mean, observations.
1: Well, I don't want to think about it too deeply, but I I just remember uh, back when CART was formed and and, uh, it's been an ongoing uh, issue, I think, uh, since the Civil War, the the split started. The notion that the only thing that matters to, to IndyCar is the Indianapolis 500 and all the other races are just beneath their efforts. I couldn't help but think of that. Watching that sorry excuse for a championship stage on Sunday after the race, the stage management of that five or six minutes of uh, presentations between uh, Alex Below as the champion, Honda uh, as the manufacturer's uh, champion, uh, presenting rings, championship rings to Palau and so on and so forth, was was high schoolish at best. You know, from an organization that can that can micromanage. Presentations before and after the Indianapolis 500, down to the second. It's like they gave the crew the rest of the year off and said, "Don't worry about coming to Long Beach and uh, helping us look good on TV." Embarrassing, I thought. They talk about all the gains they're making. They've got better TV ratings and so on, and we're, we're, you know, making progress on every front. And Roger Penske is nowhere to be found on the stage, for one thing. He's He's the guy you're hanging your hat on for the future. You're asking everybody to buy into your series because Roger Penske owns it now. And so you know things are going to be done well. Jay Fry, who's done a bang-up job behind the scenes, uh, making everything work and, and moving the organization forward on a competition level. Looks like he's playing hot potato with the with the uh, manufacturer's trophy there. Can't wait to get it out of his hands fast enough. And over to the, the guy from Honda. Can't be bothered to thank... Chevy for their participation in the series just says here you go and hands the the trophy over. It was just it was bizarre to me that a championship level organization who you know on their best day thinks that they're Formula One light can't put any presentation at all into their product at uh, one of the the, probably the second largest moment in their season.
0: I mean think about it this way, Kerb. Think about it like you're a potential third engine manufacturer, right. watching the and and just seeing back there and okay let's see how they treat manufacturers right. Yeah. It's IndyCar, it's just classic. It really is just classic them, and I know Penske's brought things, but yeah, I mean you're trying to bring a third manufacturer in, and that's how you treat them. Yeah, I mean I, I, I mean say what you want. I know you hate Formula One curb. But at the end of the day, this never happens in Formula One, right? They don't make blunders like this. And uh, I hate to
1: say, I hate to say it, but as I was sitting there imagining in my head how you would do this, I kept going back to Formula One. <laughs> I was like, you know, and and poor Colton Herta, by the way, sitting over there on another remote stage, a hundred feet away, <laughs> and waiting through all this, where there's nobody around him, waiting to get interviewed as the as the race champion. Why wouldn't you just park those cars? The uh, classic IndyCar post-race moment is the driver getting out of the car and raising his arms and and, uh, everybody cheering and so on. Do that with Colton Herter. Go interview the race winner. This is a Long Beach Grand Prix, by the way. Again, your crown jewel uh, street race. Go interview him. Let him jump out of the car and raise his arms. Get your championship stage organized. Poor Marty Snyder is expected to be the MC of events, you know, standing up there. Well, you're a big Marty Snyder fan, Curb, so that should have you all hot and bothered. Well, this was, I don't think he was giving instructions either. He's like, here's some cue cards, stand over there on the side, and and to make this thing work, Marty. It was just awful, I thought. I thought the whole thing was comical and And, and depressing.
0: You did bring it up, and I, I, I agree with you. So this this whole thing is getting a little – the driver jumping out of the car, it's becoming such a procedure now, right, where they got to – they could get out you know, minutes before they actually get out, but they're held in there on purpose, right? And then they got to get the right hat on and they got to get, you know, the right sunglasses on. and They got to get all these things done before they can even jump out of the car. The whole thing's so contrived and they show all that, right? So the whole thing looks yeah, so they, contrived. They
1: they, they they go to commercial or something and then the driver's sitting there and he looks up, "Oh, can I get out now?" Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the whole thing is so contrived. It's probably
0: time to rethink that whole procedure as well.
1: I hate to give Formula 1 credit, but uh, you know, park their cars Clap each other on the back, wave to their teammate or their, you know, their crew and go get a drink and then come back out on the thing and get their trophies or get their champagne bottles or whatever. Right now, it looks a lot better.
0: Fair enough. We've yented on for quite a while now. South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Twitter, for God's sake, uh, join us on Twitter. At Hero, H-I-R-O, IndyCar at Hero IndyCar. So that's about it. Congratulations, uh, Alex Pillow.
1: Congratulations, Alex Pillow, uh, for for as much as we like to complain on this show. Uh, I think an entertaining season, you know, series of races there on the West Coast and uh, look forward to the early start uh, in February next year. So.
0: Yep, uh, and we'll uh, we'll check in uh, a little less regularly uh, for the bounce of the year uh, until, this, until the new season begins in earnest, but we'll still be here. Good night, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening.